Travel is back. You only have to spend some time inside a bustling and sometimes overcrowded airport to see that traveling has fully rebounded since the World Health Organization announced the end of COVID-19 as a public health emergency. Leisure travel returned first as families were eager to explore the world again after two years of being cooped up at home. Business travel is also on the rise and is expected to fully return to pre-pandemic levels by the end of 2024. Of course, travel today is different than it was a few years ago. With this change comes new risks and new ways of mitigating those risks. Welcome to Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. I'm David Hilgen. Our guests today will be sharing their insights on what business travelers and their employers can expect, particularly with international trips. Andy Zoller is head of international programs for Zurich North America. And Marty Banizak is head of group accident at Zurich. Andy and Marty, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, David. Appreciate the time today. Thanks, David. Looking forward to our time together. Andy, before we start talking about international travel risk, tell us a little bit about your role at Zurich. As head of international for Zurich in the U.S., I'm responsible and my team is responsible for Zurich's overall international value proposition and our go-to-market strategies. Um, I also have a part of my team that's responsible for developing Zurich's approach to single-parent captive business in the U.S. market. Okay, Marty, your turn. Can you explain how your group accident team helps meet the needs of businesses? Sure, David. First of all, Group Accident is a little bit of a legacy name that doesn't address really the full breadth of what we do today. And the full breadth of what we do today really involves addressing kind of the accidental death, accidental injury, medical expense, emergency illness, other travel and security type matters, and at times supplemental medical benefits such as critical illness and hospital indemnity, really for the employer type organization, for educational institutions, as well as other types of organizations that sponsor activities that participants may be involved in, such as a youth sports organization or a volunteer organization. As you can imagine, with that full breadth, there's a lot of moving parts there. And really, for each type of group and or type of coverage, there is some nuance into how we help businesses. But in general, what we're really doing is we're helping mitigate and solve for the adverse financial consequences associated with you know, an accidental death, an injury, an emergency illness, a travel disruption, or some of those other medical type incidents that I mentioned. That's a lot. I can see why the uh, nomenclature uh, group accident doesn't encapsulate all that. I know the business travel is coming back um, with easy access to technology that allows people to meet without leaving their homes. Why are more business people trying to connect face to face? So you're absolutely right. Business travel is indeed coming back. Uh, as a matter of fact, per Statista, a reputable source in the industry, uh, business travel expenditure in 2024 is actually expected to exceed 2019, so pre-pandemic, if you will. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt that advancements in technology and society have made it easier for us to connect in broader ways than ever before. But the reality is that most businesses are still people businesses, and in-person action interactions are critical to that. While business travel is indeed back, it's not necessarily back, though, as per prior usual. Uh, yeah. So what we're really seeing is an increased emphasis on increasingly purposeful business travel. Uh -huh. So, for instance, uh, many organizations today uh, have a remote working environment or whole or part. And those people, while they get a lot of benefits of working remote, um, there's a need to connect them, as I mentioned, this personal interaction 
concept. According to really the US Travel Association, which is uh, another large industry association related to, to travel of all types, 40% of remote workers are actually being encouraged to travel to engage with coworkers in person. Okay. That makes sense. Andy, you recently wrote about the changing risk landscape of international travel. How has business travel changed since the pandemic? It's actually, it's interesting. It's been a very slow start, um, business travel coming back, uh, but it's been consistently picking up over the past 18 months or so. And I think it's always um, insightful to think about the fact that the World Health Organization only actually declared an end to the pandemic on May 5th of this year. It seems like it's been over for a while, but it actually has not been that long. And from a U.S. perspective, we've definitely been back longer than that. But when you're discussing things from a global perspective, everyone's timelines are truly different, right? Yeah. So one of the things I can say is that business travel is definitely a lot more expensive than it had been before the pandemic. Um, you know, because of those increased costs, companies are often asking their travel employees to truly maximize the airfare costs by taking longer trips than maybe they did in the past and possibly staying in less expensive accommodations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with all employees trying to squeeze more into each trip, uh, it would stand to reason that the more time you spend doing something and the more activities performing during that time, it's naturally increasing your general exposure to risk. So we have to consider that in post-pandemic world. Yeah, the other factor that's relatively new is the impact of, that climate change is having in the boardroom. Companies are discussing more than ever carbon footprints and what their overall carbon emissions are for tra- with traveling employees. And they're looking at things, alternatives to airfare like rail travel. I know we've talked about low carbon ride sharing you know, that a lot of the apps now will let you um, you know, see what your carbon footprint is, depending on which rideshare uh, app you're using. And, and then also the possibility of using electric scooters in big cities, which is a new challenge that's really popped up in the last few years. Um, and so where that really comes with an additional risk from travel is, you know, rail stations themselves are definitely less secure than an airport, right? There's in most cases, a lot of security in them. You know, the scooters, as I mentioned, it's great to go green with scooters when you're traveling around a city, but it can be dangerous if the rider is unfamiliar with a city or if they're an experienced riding one. So we have to factor all those new things in post-pandemic that we probably didn't think about before. So those are just a couple of the things that I think people should be aware of post-pandemic. Well, that's a good point. I'm pretty sure I would hurt myself on an electric scooter, so I will walk. Uh, Marty, my guess is that most people planning a trip don't worry about what can go wrong when traveling, except perhaps the headaches of flight delays or cancellations. But there are real risks to consider when leaving the comfort of home for a long trip. What are some of the things travelers need to consider? So it's interesting. I think what Andy shared is very on point in the sense that not only are there increased exposures, but there are different types of exposures or maybe exposures that already existed that were not top of people's mind. So often when people think about business travel, they really think about getting on a plane. But it's really much more than that, particularly domestically or even abroad, as he mentioned, whether it be rail or other kind of increasingly sustainable types of mediums and modes. Mm -hmm. When you think even about motor vehicle travel, You know, while business travel deaths in general are quite infrequent, the reality is that for decades running in the U.S., now talking domestically, motor vehicle accidents have been, if not the number one, one of the leading causes of accidental death in the United States. 
Okay. So some of the things that people need to be thinking about beyond flight delays and cancellations are those types of situations. Do they have benefits in place for their employees and members and participants of their organizations in the chance of an unintentional death? Beyond that, particularly when we get to international travel, as you can imagine, that opens up a whole other host of things that folks are exposed to. So what happens when someone is abroad and they have a medical emergency? How do they get help? What if there's a security issue? Andy mentioned some of the security issues in some of the public transportation arenas, right? Maybe not as strong as you would like them to be. Or what about even the simple things like I'm traveling abroad and I'm not particularly comfortable with where I am, or I lose my passport, or I lose my prescription. Yeah. So those are many of the other types of risks that that people need to be increasingly aware of because they have real impact. Yeah. Interesting. Andy, I want to pivot to you. I want to talk less about travel and just about the world in general. It's a very different place than it was just a few years ago. How has it changed and what does that mean for travelers? It's interesting. I've been following uh, for the past several years the um, Global Risk Report, which is published at the World Economic Forum annually. And there's there's one thing in particular that they spotlight, one of the top five risks worldwide, which I think we should be aware of. And, and that's the erosion of societal cohesion. It's a mouthful. Um, and so a societal yeah. polarization. Um, and, and what this essentially means is that the more polarized our societies become, our togetherness as a society decreases, which, which can lead to over a population an increased feeling of general insecurity amongst the citizens, right? This lack of cohesion is really due to a lot of stuff that's been going on the last few years. You know, things like prolonged economic downturn, cost of living and food supply crises, political instability, and, and general rising inflation. So, you know, so you say, what does all that mean for travelers? Well, as business travelers get back out on the road, they are likely to see an increase in crime, possible civil unrest, or protests that occur with no warning. And in general, experienced travelers may become uneasy in places that were familiar to them pre-pandemic because these places and their citizens' general outlook on life have changed. And so all of these things really will have an impact on a traveler's mental health and feelings of unease and insecurity. And corporations, as they're putting people back out there to continue to, to grow their businesses, they need to keep those things in mind. Well, thanks for mentioning the Global Risk Report. I read it every year when it comes out in January. It's not a cheery read, but it's important. Yeah. It's an important document. Marty, business travel is up and the risks are rising. We know that, or at least evolving. How is the insurance industry responding to help businesses manage the risks? I would say there's probably at least three key things going on. Number one would be is reinforcing what exists today. We talked a little bit about some misnomers about what constitutes business travel or not, or you know, it's more the headline making things like of a death or, or something catastrophic. But the reality is, is, as we said, there's many other types of perils that folks can be exposed to. And there are many solutions today that help solve for all of those. So that's number one. Right. Yeah. Number two is there is at the same time, truly evolution taking place in the way folks travel. We talked yeah. a little bit earlier about the fact that, you know, as more folks are remote, there's a desire and a reason for business travel to get them together. Many organizations and individuals also incorporate, you know, some extended leisure travel or, or as the industry would call it, leisure travel, 
with their business travel. And there's a yeah. need to make sure that historic coverages uh, from the insurance market cover those types of things. And then last but not least, uh, many of the more progressive organizations are also allowing many of their employees to actually work remotely for extended periods of time, right? This is very different than moving somewhere for a, a defined project, aka being an expat or something like this. This is just a perk of working at an organization. It's a win-win for both the organization and the employee or the, or the members of the organization. And so we need to make sure that insurance coverages address those types of things. Third would be the idea that insurance by nature is really kind of a financial risk transfer. Uh, but the reality is, is that for all the things that may be covered under the insurance benefits, there often has to have other things take place to help solve for them, right? So the third element is really the increasing aspect of services being incorporated in insurance offerings. There's long been travel assistance companies that help with things. And if you just yeah. connect the dot to what Andy talked about from a mental health perspective, that's another example of where we're seeing more in terms of third party services relative to addressing the mental health needs of travelers. I like your point about working anywhere. I've been trying to convince my boss for a while I need to work in Hawaii. It hasn't worked out so far. Andy, what role does technology play in helping businesses keep their employees safe while traveling? It's, um, it's good news that the technology improvements hasn't stopped post-pandemic, right? The technology improvements keep coming. AI will add another layer onto that. But I would, in general, say business travelers have you know more ways to connect now than they ever have, particularly through the use of apps on, on their phones and the ability to geolocate people globally. A lot of these apps give business travelers not only ways to tracking themselves and other employees that are traveling, uh, within their company, but they also have the ability to push travel warnings to them on a, on a fairly regular basis so they can see what's going on in their surroundings where they may not have been able to do that in the past. And when yeah. I say things, it could be, you know, anything from crimes to natural catastrophes. And so the access to data for traveling employees is uh, more than ever. And I think it also adds an extra wrinkle, though, is we have to, you know, be concerned about privacy employees, especially as I mentioned earlier, they're taking longer trips. As Marty mentioned, with the leisure, sometimes might be on their own time. And so we had launched an app uh, from our World Travel Protection Team, and it allows the individual employees to ghost themselves at during certain times, meaning that we know generally where those um, traveling employees are, but it's all within a certain mile radius, not specifically at their individual location. So it does give them some sense of privacy while they're traveling. But I think it's something we have to continue to think about and, um, you know, specifically around employee privacy as we're looking to the new technology improvements that have come around the last few years. Yeah. Well, you know, it reminds me of the warnings we all got at RIMS Risk World in Atlanta in May when there was an active shooter incident on the last day and everybody's phones went off in the middle of a session. We were safe inside the convention center, but it was nice to know that uh, what was going on just a few blocks away. Absolutely. I want to thank you. This has been a fascinating conversation. I didn't know businesses and their employees had so many things to think about when it comes to travel. Any final thoughts, Marty? Yeah, sure. You're right. It has been a fascinating conversation. Again, thank you for the opportunity to spend some time with Andy and you here today. Um, I think you're right. There are many things that businesses and their individuals have to think about. It, it really comes down to a few things for me. Number one is that whether it be an employer or an employee or other type of organization that's sponsoring travel for 
uh, individuals under their behest, you know, they really have a, a duty to take care of those folks. And so I think that always needs to be kept top of mind when these organizations are having people out on their behalf. The second thing I would mention, uh, consistent with a lot of what was said today, is that historically, uh, you know, a lot of the focus of insurance products and even to an extent services have really been on when something happens. Increasingly, organizations of all types and in insurance arenas of all types, there's greater emphasis on the before, right? The education, the preparedness, the prevention. And then the last two things that I would mention would be is that really understanding where the solutions are that are out there, uh, the breadth of those solutions and really the intersections of them, not only between various insurance elements that could help address need, but also these services we talked about and how they play a vital role. Yeah. And then last but not least, uh, and I think it would go for really any organization, and on one hand seems like a no-brainer, but I think that they should really be looking to work with you know insurance carriers and distribution partners that not only understand these things, in some respects that's table stakes, that's expertise yeah. that's expected to be brought to the table, but that really takes a consultative approach to meet the individual needs, wants, timing, and budgets of those individual organizations. Andy? I don't know if I can add too much more to what uh, my buddy Marty just uh, put out there, because that was a really great summary. And I think the one last piece I would add is it's going to become more and more important to focus on these things like the duty of care and, and the travel apps that we talked about and the preparedness plans with the younger workforce because they expect it, right? So as you're you know, bringing in new talent to organizations, the days of the road warriors that know what they're doing and driving themselves in the markets very independently are slowly becoming not the norm. And so you're having a lot of folks coming into organizations that expect uh, that the company is going to take care of them in all these situations. And so you really want to have a robust plan and good technology and partnering with the right partner so that you don't risk the employees potentially going somewhere else as well because they can feel like they can get more security from one of your competitors. So that's just the last piece I wanted to add in. But Marty did really did a great job summarizing all of that. Okay. Well, thanks to both of you for joining us on this Future Risk podcast. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Thank you, David. I'm David Hilgen for Zurich North America. Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you left a comment or review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Let us know what you think at media at zurichna.com and join us next week. The information in this audio recording was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes and is intended for Zurich clients and business partners. The information contained here may be useful to you or your enterprise when developing your own policies and procedures. The policies and procedures applicable to your enterprise should take into account the specific circumstances of your business and business environment, which is beyond the capacity of this podcast. Any and all information provided is not intended to constitute advice of any nature and is specifically not legal advice, and accordingly, you should consult with your own legal counsel. We do not guarantee the accuracy of this information presented or any results and further assume no liability in connection with this recording and the information provided therein. Moreover, Zurich reminds you that the information provided cannot be assumed to contain every acceptable safety and compliance procedure or that additional procedures might not be appropriate under the circumstances. The subject matter of this recording is not tied to any specific insurance product, nor will adopting these policies and procedures ensure coverage under any insurance policy. We encourage listeners to seek additional information from credible sources. Thank you.